Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Tropes. I'm John Wayne at the first Thanksgiving, Pilgrims. Oh my god. God, I guess it is November, huh? <laughs> it's it's Thanksgiving. It's gobble gobble November gobble. month. And Hooray. what is the best thing to talk about on Thanksgiving? Genocide. Racism! Yay! Real, actual genocide and racism. Yeah, um, this, this is not the episode to uh, to bring up at um, your Thanksgiving dinner, maybe, with your, your more conservative relatives. Right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched an episode of Prager University about Thanksgiving, and they seem to be under the impression that it's some kind of, like, magical Christian holiday about about how... God gave us the Indians to teach us about corn. Oh my God, that... Wow. I, who knew PragerU was also falling into the trope we're going to talk about today, which is <laughs> uh, noble savages. Right. Uh, so, this, I mean, we don't want to take this one too lightly. This yeah. is, you know, we're sort of out of our depth here to an extent. This is a massive historical trope that permeates so much of American media mm-hmm. um, and, you know, so much colonial media in general, uh, but we'll mostly be focusing on uh, the the American uh, image of the noble savage. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that the best place to start is to just start talking about how this trope started to arise, um, you know, starting with, like, the first mention <laughs> in, uh, in English literature. Yeah. Um, so, apparently, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> there's right. a, there's a, uh, an explorer who had a, a chapter heading, uh, the savages are truly noble, which was meant, uh, ironically, and that they had hunting rights, which was, a. a Right, right, only granted it was neither to the word of... savage nor the word noble had the connotations that they have today. Noble right. literally meant from nobility rather than, you know, good and pure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And savage didn't mean, like, br- brutal or, you know, violent. It just, it it just meant... It wild. Right, it, it meant uncivilized, I Untamed. suppose. Or just found in nature. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you could say the savage rock was sculpted to a beautiful statue or something like that. Um, right. The, the rock didn't do nothing to nobody. No, it's just no. It was in the wild. It's just a rock. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's sort of the beginning. And then the craziest part of this Wikipedia article for me, which I guess should have been that crazy, but it's just, like, wild how racist Charles Dickens was, man. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Charles Dickens. He's he's a fuck. Um, he <laughs> he wrote books about like sexy tweens uh, getting it on and then getting getting it rich in the big city. Um, and he was apparently reading a lot of essays from people about how like the noble savage is free from sin because they don't use money or whatever. And he was like. Fuck that. They're killing each other, and they're dirty. Um, yeah, so, like, Charles Dickens was very, very much believed that there was no 
there was this, I guess, idea of primitivism that was popular during this time period. Um, right. Well, the the whole thing, and I think that this is going to center our whole discussion, is okay. that the the noble savage is the reverse of just the brutal savage, you know. But both of them are this assumption based on this assumption that there is an additive or you know a a, a quantitative measure of society. You know what yeah. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. You can subtract or add society to something, and it will change the properties therein. So it's it's a lot of people talking about, you know, oh, a, a world without society would be truly just, because we wouldn't have to worry about, you know, tithes to the church or whatever. And then the the people on the other side saying... No, without society, we would brutally murder each other in the streets. Yeah, and then what they don't anarcho-communist versus uh... (laughs) exactly. But this is also something that I kind of don't like about anarchism uh, as, as a philosophy, which is that it assumes that there is such a thing as no society or like a non-hierarchical society uh, that can be established. Um, The the truth is that all of these things that we're studying to determine if society makes people good or bad, Mm -hmm. they're all societies too. Native Americans live in a society. Hashtag (laughs) Joker. Yes, we you know, all all indigenous live in a people society. live in societies. The only like non societies that exist are if you're literally like stranded on a desert island like in Lord of the Flies. Right. And it's just like one person. Right. Like Heart of Darkness, like that's dumb because it's just assuming that like, oh, you go out into the jungle and like meet a bunch of people with different skin than you and you suddenly become evil. <laughs> Yes. It's dumb. <laughs> but what's also dumb is Dances with Wolves, where you, you oh know, get stranded in the wilderness and get taken in by Native Americans and you suddenly become, like, Jesus incarnate. Yes, that is also dumb. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's also this... I think this is also a pretty perba- pervasive um, uh, theme in this trope, uh, is that usually the natives are interacting with a point of view white character. So like, right, because these, that's all the, that's all that they are. They're just a, you know, a representation of what life would be like without Christian white American society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's like this, this idea that, you know, in the same way that, like, Columbus discovering America. You know, like, oh, America didn't exist before Columbus. And it's like, n- no, they're, they're here and they're fine. And they didn't need your, like, white person validation to exist and, <laughs> you know, have a culture and make choices right. and do things. Like, it's this, this centering of the white narrative in the trope right. of the noble savage that um, is really probably the most problematic part of it. Right. But it sent the point was that there was no alternative at the time right. to this narrative. Like Dickens was out there saying, we're going to civilize these people off the face of the earth, Ugh. which is as a turn of phrase is, is almost poetic because yeah, <laughs> it's that's genocidal exactly what nature. We, 
Yeah, I mean, it's totally copying to the genocidal, you know, mode of, of, of discourse at the time. Yeah. That the point was that a savage is both not a person, but could become a person if you, like, take away everything that's, you know, their culture and replace it with everything that's our culture. Do you want to start with Dances with Wolves? Because I feel like that's Yeah, the... it's a classic. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a classic in that it's the one that everybody refers to now when they're talking about these types of narratives. Yeah. It came out in 1990, which is way too late. Um, <laughs> way past its prime. It's got Kevin Costner in a terrible performance. Mm -hmm. I, totally uninspired, like, boring to watch. Uh, I mean, this he's guy. fine. Like, you're right. It's dumb. I would probably call it uninspired. I don't know if I would go so far to call it terrible, because that would at least be interesting. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, it was just boring, is <laughs> yeah. my point. He's just this guy, he's sort of a bland, benign uh, frontiersman. Right. And, like, he, you know, he, he just, he finds himself being taken in by Native Americans who are extremely distrustful of him, which is good, because, you know, the implication, I guess, is that you know, they have biases, too, maybe? I don't know. That's not great either, is it? Yeah. No. It's not. None of it's great. And, like, the love interest is, like, a shoehorned-in, like, white lady who is, like, kidnapped by the tribe and then, like, adopted by the, like, tribe leader, the medicine man or something, and, like, you know, she's, like, his connection, the bridge between the two worlds. She's the avatar of this universe. Well, she's just uh, the one that he can make out with, and it won't be race mixing. Yeah. Which, is, which as no. we all know, never happened historically. Never, ever, ever, ever. It never occurred. Um, so, you know, why are we even talking about it? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, he he's hanging out with them and then, you know, basically gets adopted, but the U.S. government shows back up and is like, oh, that guy's dead. You just must be some traitor. And uh, <laughs> then shit happens and he has to run away right. from the tribe. The traitor who, you know, who has learned to accept their ways and wants them to live in peace, etc. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I I don't know if this type of person existed historically. It's just sort of a wish fulfillment thing, right? Right. It's, it's the... <laughs> I think Seth Meyers did a great little comedy sketch about, um, like, white savior movies that ostensibly yeah. are supposed to star, like, people of color. Um, right. Where, you know... There's always a white dude there who's like, and I helped. I <laughs> did so much and am so good. And see, not everybody was bad. And it's like, yeah, okay. But, like, why is this about you at all? Um, you know, because, like, right. this is ultimately a tragic story about the U.S. government seizing native land and, you know, forcing people... Uh, off of their ancestral home and like 
you know, we it's a bittersweet ending because he ends up with the girl, I guess. But, like, you know, he, he has so, so few stakes in this besides, like, oh, I don't know, I spent this, like, one semester abroad with these, like, really nice natives, and, um, I don't yeah. know, they're really cool guys. Like, maybe we, we should We banged on some drums, we... Yeah. They were really we, chill. Uh, we smoked a peace pipe. I gave one of them my jacket, you know, because I'm so noble. I'm so noble. Who, truly now, who is the noble savage? Who's the real noble? Both I mean, who's sides. The real both sides. Pocahontas. Both sides. Savages. Savages. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Can we, let's talk about Pocahontas. Right, I can't hold back anymore. Yeah. This fucking movie. They're showing this to children still. This is on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Oh, God. Stop. I blocked Disney Plus out of my brain. Don't make me remember it. Jeez. It's there. Yeah. Pocahontas is, it's a lot, you know? It's, I mean, it's literally like a copy-paste of Dances with Wolves. <laughs> like, <laughs> no work was done here. Except fewer uh, U.S. military. That's that's what they needed, though. They Instead of the U.S. being the bad guys, it's Britain. The old, colo- like, ah, oh, Britain sure. was bad, you know? Right. Well, I mean, they were bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's but you know, bad. you can't you can't have the US government be the bad people in a kids movie unless it's like the I think FBI you absolutely or can, but can, I, I, mean, I, mean, I think you you have, but but I mean it just it, Ratcliffe is just this insane foppish caricature of what a British person might look like in <laughs> in, in the sixteen hundreds. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, he's he's a ludicrous uh, figure. He wants gold. He's digging for gold in Virginia. There's no, there's no gold in them there hills. Nope, there's not. Um, but uh, it's fine. It's, it's whatever. You know, the point is, colo- a colonialism is still happening. And, right. But like it know, also the noble savage aspect of it, I think, really is is captured in like all of the conversations surrounding the word savage. Like, mm. it's John Smith going up to Pocahontas and being like, you're a savage. I mean, no disrespect. You know? <laughs> right. Like, and, like, they're they're using sort of the modern connotation of savage to have this conversation about, like, what's more savage? Uh, not having computers or genocide? Right. And it's, like, just the most bad faith discourse <laughs> Because it still situates, you know, like society as the bad thing. It's it's Ratcliffe is greed, you know. He right. represents greed and society and nobility because he he wants to be a noble. Yes, yes. Well, but then like the both sides of it all is that you know it's right. Pocahontas as an individual knows that some like hashtag not all white men, um, <laughs> but. Like, oh, that stupid society she lives in is like, no, they're just evil. And, you know, we have to do something about it. Which, like, they're not wrong. That's the thing. Right. The the song Savages, it begins with what you would expect, the white people chanting that the savages need all to be exterminated. Yeah. And then it continues and it cuts to... Literally a white person dubbing over these Native Americans and singing, Also, the white people are savages. They're not even human, so we should kill them all. 
Yeah. It's just... Which, I mean, maybe that was the sentiment at the time. I don't know. I'm not a historian. But it just seems like for a kid's movie, to be both sidesing the whole affair is maybe not the best. Yeah, it's it's kind of a lot. Um, but but so I think also for me, the, the big part of the noble savage trope, which is not just, you know, oh, look, there's native people in this film. Um, it's this idea that because they are not as technologically advanced and are more quote unquote in tune with nature, they are, um, you know, they're inferior in some ways, but superior in others, uh, is sort of, I think the crux of the trope a little bit. And, you know, it's this idea that Pocahontas can talk with rocks and rivers and otters or whatever and you know can magic her way into knowing english all of a sudden like she's just so in tune with nature man like it's the worst sort of california hippie but i think that like the most like noble savage moments come from her song with john uh you know paint with all the colors of the wind yes um because it's not a song about their relationship it's not a song it's not even a song about racism no. it's a song about or, or, or like seeing things from a new perspective it's a song about all of the sins of society of living in what they see as the only form of society that exists which is is white colonial society mm-hmm. and it's saying like you think you own land that's that's hubris which is a sin Oh, you think, you know, you know, other people are bad? That's racism. It's a sin. <laughs> you, 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 you want money and resources? That's greed, sin, pride, sin. All of these are just like Christian, you know, sins. Yes. And it was really the Protestants that, that, that introduced the, the noble savage trope because it's it's sort of a criticism of the church more than anything, you right. know, the, the Catholic church, and saying, you encourage a bunch of bad shit, and what we should really do is return to a state of nature, the Hobbesian state right. of nature. Right. And Pocahontas is advocating that too, like just get rid of society and everything will be hunky dory. You got to be friends with the bears. <laughs> Go live in the woods in a cabin and things will be fine. Right. So that's Hashtag my point. <laughs> not all white men. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's definitely a huge, a huge part of it. And I think, um, you know, a lot of the movies and uh, TV shows and things that we're, we sort of looked at for this trope I feel like a lot of them came out in the 90s. Am I wrong about that? Or like yeah, I think that was like a key sort of time for this. Um, right. Was the 90s. It, cause I think because was everyone a... was very much in agreement at that point that like stories, like Westerns were dead by this point. Right. So you don't have to do the story about the poor white man being attacked by savages anymore. Right. And everyone feels really guilty. But also everybody feels really guilty about pollution. People feel yes. really guilty about... Well, it's the end of the Cold War, you know? So now right. our anxieties don't have to be entirely focused on, you know, nuclear annihilation. We can turn more towards uh, conservation movements. And, you know, I feel like the 90s was the beginning of, like, PC culture a little bit. Um, at least more in the mainstream, where, right. you know, we're... If, yeah, I mean, we're, if you want to make a, a divide between 
general PC culture and, and all social movements. But but yeah, there was a sense that people should match the language of politicians in order to not, you know, call everyone Indians. You know, they should right. call them Native Americans. That's probably a good thing. Although that term originated much earlier, there was yes. no pressure on your average citizen to use that language. Right, uh, right. Until... 80s, 90s, roundabouts. Yeah. So it was more just for academics and, and politicians. Right. So so it was at this point, I think, in time that, you know, we're also seeing a lot of media that is reflecting these sort of changing attitudes about what kind of um, Native narratives get told and how Natives are depicted in film. And, you know, <laughs> it's not like they did a great job, but, you know, <laughs> it's maybe better than just being like, oh, they're all brutal, evil people who it's a good thing that we basically wiped off the face of the planet. You know, right. <laughs> like, they're... I mean, I just think, I think it's, it's, it's a mistake to try and count it on a, on a spectrum of like good to bad. Sure. Like, Depicting, you know, Native Americans as barely human is probably bad, but also depicting them as just a metaphor for what it would be like <laughs> if we destroyed the government is also maybe not the best. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. It, it, as If you're getting stuck in this framework where Native Americans always have to represent the society that is exterminating them as opposed to just simply representing themselves that's where you run into problems yes um i think uh i think it's worth talking about uh the um the, the movie little big man from from the 70s uh i i don't know if you watched this one i didn't but watch this was, one but i'm curious. yeah i kind of added it to the list late uh my, my mom reminded me of it um it's uh it's Dustin Hoffman in sort of a satirical role as like a young boy that gets adopted by, um, uh, I, I believe it's um, a, a Cheyenne tribe. Okay. Um, and then he goes on sort of this uh, picaresque sort of Don Quixote satirical journey throughout um, frontier society where he leaves uh his his you know native american family and rejoins white society and then he fails out of that and goes back to the native americans and he's like <laughs> torn between the two sides but the whole thing is sort of making fun of these this trope of you know the the man raised in the wild the tarzan sort right. of figure except instead of gorillas it's you know human fucking beings in a society <laughs> Um, right, but I I think it's a really interesting film for that because it almost feels like it's parodying Dances with Wolves, which came out twenty years later. <laughs> um, That's and, pretty and, interesting. Yeah, it, it's you know I mean Dustin Hoffman's character, uh, some his his last name is Crab. He, he uh, you know he plays like an idiot. You know he's a stupid person. Um, right. But, like, it has nothing to do with the fact that he was raised by Native Americans. And his, you know, tribe is portrayed very sympathetically, but not as being, like, you know, uh, you know, more more peaceful, more nature, more whatever. 
They're just right. simply portrayed as a society that's that's being exterminated. Right. Um, and, like, it's not like there's nothing problematic happening here. There's a lot of jokes at the Native American character's expense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, but, but more the butt of the joke is uh, General Custer, because it ends with Custer's ha. last stand. And it's all told from the perspective of him uh, having survived and lived 100 years after Custer's last stand. Um, and he's an old man recounting his life. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting piece of media. I don't feel qualified to say that it is like a positive or a negative piece of media, but I I, I feel that it's there's something it interesting to be happening in this there. Discourse. Yeah, it's definitely interesting at the very least, and it's funny. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> All right, maybe I'll I'll have to check that one out. Um, and. God, I could use something actually funny after watching the fucking Lone Ranger from, I don't know, what was it, 2009 <laughs> or whatever? The Johnny yeah. Depp one that came out? Oh, my God. Yeah. Tonto. Oh my Let's God. talk about Tontoism. Because I think that, like, ta- the Tonto figure, he's, you know, he's the, the magical Negro of the Western. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and I don't know if he started in the original Lone Ranger serials, but he definitely persisted, uh, you know. And, like, almost every, like, action movie western will, will have, like, one sort of... Good native token character. English-speaking, but not really English-speaking, you know. Like, yeah. It's more of a smoke em, peace pipe type of dialect. Um, yeah. And, you know, of course, all of the Native Americans speak like this, no matter what tribe they're from. Oh, yeah. And, of course, they all wear the exact same clothes. Yeah, no actual uh, tribal differentiation or, you know, no. attention to detail of that. It's just the homogenizing of the entire Native population. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's, again, that just general lack of nuance that is, as always, the most problematic <laughs> part of you know depicting any minority and you know centering the white experience instead of the the other experiences right so how does the this this film the lone ranger you know the new one uh open (laughs) the most confusing way possible it's like the 1930s or something and like this little kid dressed as a cowboy at a fair goes into like an exhibit of the west and like sees old johnny depp as like in bad cgi red face oh my god yeah which like you know he's in red face for the entire fucking film but he's Um, literally in an exhibit that's labeled noble Noble savage Savage. yeah which is obviously ironic it's like it's saying it's signaling oh this, you know, this movie is going to undo some of your biases. This movie's going to, you know, uh, uh, reverse some political uh, or some historical inaccuracies, um, which it does not. <laughs> no, it doesn't do even at all. Like, it's the sort of thing where it tries to be, like, self-aware and, like, meta and, like, trope-aware, but it just makes the whole thing feel even more hollow and, like, Hollywood and just utterly vacant of meaning. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's like they're trying so hard, but with, like, no actual 
like nothing of interest to actually say that right well i mean it is interesting actually i i think that their vision is incredibly interesting what they do is they take tonto who you know was just sort of a loyal sidekick in the original and they turn him into a johnny depp captain jack sparrow drunken ridiculous goofy crazy person yes But what they then do to try and subvert their own characterization is they bring him into, you know, a a Comanche sort of camp. Uh, It's not like a real village, I think. It's like a temporary camp because they're fleeing the train that's being built. Um, And they just straight up tell you uh, that, like, Oh yeah, Tonto's crazy. None of the things that he believes are actual Native American beliefs. Right, and I mean the None other... of these are Comanche myths. <laughs> he just made them up. Yeah. Um, which you know is probably true, in that the filmmakers just made them up for right. Plot so it's sort reasons. of a poking fun at themselves thing. Like, oh right, like yeah, of course Johnny Depp playing Tonto is not a totally accurate representation of Comanche you know, culture. Comanche culture. But it's it, it goes like way weirder than that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, cuz it's sort of like it like I don't know, it's almost like Cuz he's still a Native wave. American and it's the reason that he's gone crazy is that he traded silver to the villain of the story. Uh, in exchange for, you know, like, telling his people, uh, t- telling him where his people lived. And then the guy goes and, like, massacres his whole family, and he's got a pocket watch now. Uh, yeah. I didn't explain that very well, but just, you know. But neither did the movie. <laughs> neither did the movie. Yeah, he trades He trades the location of a silver mine for a pocket a cheap pocket watch and then the guy kills his whole family and he blames himself and so he goes crazy and he keeps talking about uh the nature is out of balance in like a really bad accent and it's so uncomfortable it is truly Um, the the other part of it too is that in this retelling of the lone ranger and to be fair, I have not watched the or listened to the original Lone Ranger. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, it wasn't the whole idea that, like, the Lone Ranger is, like, very competent and, you know, an exciting hero that we we get to watch. Like, he's pretty simple, you know? Right? Yeah, I mean, Am stories I were, were pretty simple back then. Like, it was, a, it was like a 30-minute serial before, <laughs> you know, a movie came on. So it wasn't like... You had a lot of time to develop his character. Right. But they just decide to make him, like, the sort of, like, bumbling, naive, new hero sort of trope. And well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Brookheimer. This is a Brookheimer production. You know, it's, it's exactly like it's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in every way except for quality. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, like, Orlando Bloom was also sort of a a fresh-faced nobody. Right, but he was a fresh-faced nobody who, like, had actual skills. And, like, at every point we're sort of told that, like, this version of the Lone Ranger has no skills, has to be taught everything. You know, like, 
part of what made Orlando Bloom's character fun was that, you know, he was this really talented swordsman who, you know, had been working hard to try to get his break and trying to play by the rules, but sort of learns that, hey, maybe to right. get what you and want, you have to break him. Was, he boxed in, in college when he was <sighs> studying law. I mean, yeah, I guess. Oh, God. Also, the fucking love interest in this. It gets, like, passed around between, like, three different men, and it's very unsettling. Uh, right, I have a but lot I think we're getting off track. We're getting I mean, very these are off all track. Aspects of bad Jerry Bruckheimer films, but they don't have much to do with the noble savage. No, trope. I just needed someone to know my pain. I sat through two and a half <laughs> hours of this horrible garbage. And right. I just—it's too much. It's too well, much. Well, something too. that I find really interesting is that um, when we're establishing why we're supposed to like this character of the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. um, one of the first things he does is say, "You know, I'm not a—you know, I'm not really a." Christian, you know, my Bible is John Locke's treatise on, you know, human whatevers. Like, his his Bible is property rights. <laughs> Which is yes. extremely relevant, because th- while the whole movie is, is presenting a criticism of, like, the capitalistic drive to take resources and to kill for resources and the greed of, of man... Yeah. His whole thing is just that the the land should be the Native Americans' property, whereas right. they don't really see it that way. Right. It's not you know? like property necessarily. Like that's, property that's rights themselves the and the nature, the, the 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 notion that people can own land and should own things is a big part of the reason why. Uh, genocides ultimately ended up happening because it was irreconcilable the fact that people wanted to settle the land but there were already people sort of roaming over large swaths of land and they just right. you know they didn't consider it to be direct ownership it was more about territory and hunting grounds and farmland you know it was just about right. what land you had control over militarily rather than what you Where owned your through some sort house of was. Right. It wasn't about social contracts and it wasn't about individualism and like, this is my tent and I'm <laughs> living in the tent. Right. Uh, but again, like, I don't want to fall into the trap of being like, and that's better. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I also don't want to be like, oh, well, you know, my society is superior because we believe in individual property rights. It's just like, the point is just that there are many different ways to organize society. Yes. And, and this is two of them. And when you put them next to each other because of imperialism, which is bad. Yes. Then you end up with a lot of genocide. Then you do end up with a lot of genocide and a lot of violent conflict. Um, but you, I think you also end up with like, like, I don't even know. You just end up with this idea that one of the two has to be more right. And, like, right. that's where it the noble savage... It ends up becoming savage. a discourse when the synthesis is... The synthesis of the two is... N- nobody's right. <sighs> there's no such thing as right. Right. There's, there's like, no what's working and what's not working. There's no such thing as the way to working. organize society. I don't know. I mean, uh, if well, anything, both of them are just like a couple steps on the road <laughs> towards something that actually works as a society right. and doesn't end up with a lot of dead people. Yes, yes, we we don't have all the answers uh, here today right. with us, but 
But but you Tonto know? the character. I think I think he's you know, he's interesting to talk about this Johnny Depp Tonto. First of all, yeah. Johnny Depp is a fuck. I hate him. Yes, no, Johnny Depp sucks and I like, I realized when I watched this movie that the last thing I saw Johnny Depp in was like the last ten minutes of the first Fantastic Beast movie, like back in <laughs> twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen, whatever that was. Right. Well, the last uh, thing that I saw him in was a, a perfume commercial oh God. Uh, called Suavage or like Sauvage. Sauvage. It's it's just a nice way of saying savage, I guess, and it's just filled with Native American imagery. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it, sure, it's been going on for like five years, but how did you let that happen in 2019? Jesus yeah. Christ. With a guy who like claimed uh ancestry native american ancestry without any tribal affiliation whatsoever uh, yeah. you know just based on rumors that his like great grandfather was like i i bedded a sioux once oh my god yeah that sounds about right he if, like the also the whole thing of just like white people in general being like no yeah like there's like so much native american in my bloodline it's just like it makes me a savage warrior, and I can <laughs> defeat anyone in battle. <laughs> or, like, you know, I can I can say whatever I want about Native Americans, because, like, you know, I'm part Native American, man. I, I totally right. get the, like, connecting with nature shit. Like, I, too, am a noble savage. Uh, <laughs> like, like, it's just so wrong and missing the point completely. And, you know, honestly, the reason that there's Native American blood in your line doesn't necessarily mean it's there for good reasons or consensually. Uh, Like, there's a a lot of bad shit that goes along with genocide that can um, sometimes (laughs) lead to these sort of things. It's 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 an interesting sort of thing. And the fact that now we have figures like Elizabeth Warren trying to claim... Ancestry <sighs> and tr- and then trying to use blood quantums as defined by a DNA test, which, as you know, d- doesn't actually measure blood quantum. It just measures these haplogroups and says, like, right, so you, you're either, one of your ancestors is either from here or from Canada or maybe from Mexico. And it <sighs> could be anywhere between five generations back and 20. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's enough that it's, like, negligible. It, it doesn't have a cultural effect on you, and you as a white lady have not experienced the day-to-day or cultural trauma oppression of being a minority, um, right. which so, is I the mean, point. This would make Johnny Depp playing a Native American bad no matter what. Right, but exactly. he plays it a particular way, and how would you describe his, his performance? Um, Groucho Marx, like, (laughs) like, it's just so fucking over the top and goofy. Like, there's not, like, you know, he tries for these, like, serious moments when, like, the Lone Ranger, uh, whose name I forget, is it John? Is it just John? It's probably John. I know his brother is Dan, but I think he's just... I'm gonna call him John. John Reed or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, 
Your family died. I know that's why you're crazy and saying all this stuff. And, you know, like, he pulls, like, a sad face. But then, like, the next moment, he's doing, like, jerky Johnny Depp, like, crazy movements. Because, oh, no, there's a goofy thing happening this way. And it's strange because at first they try to sort of pose him as, like, this hyper-confident dude compared to the Lone Ranger. Um, right, because he knows all the mythology, and you, what you think is, he's establishing the mythology of the world. There's these Wendingos, and they're demons that thrive on silver, and they, you know, make them crave human flesh, and right. he's establishing all these things, and, like, nature is out of sorts, and it's, I don't know, it's weird, because everything that he's describing is happening in the world, like, you see these, like, freaky man-eating rabbits, yeah, and... He talks about how, like, the horse is a spirit guide, and the horse does a lot of things that would be unlikely for a horse to do. Right. Like, it shows up on the roof. he talking about nature is out of balance, which oh, is, like, wow. an avatar thing. And, um, <laughs> right. And he's right that nature is out of balance, so it seems like that's what they're doing. But then there's that, that turn when he meets right. the Comanches. And it's just, it's so strange. And then after that... You know, there's the the second act breakup where they have to right. they you know like you lied to me screw you I'll I'll solve the problem on my own man and so you know they they go their separate ways but then they come back together and hijinks ensue right. like I like that's just how I would describe this movie you know hijinks ensue and there's a lot of and explosions and train crashes because it's Jerry Brookheimer but yeah it's like so gory and like violent in ways that I didn't expect it to be well that's also Jerry Brookheimer but I mean this is the thing like he this is Tonto he's he trades with people you know he says Mm -hmm. I'll give you this for this he speaks simply he speaks in short fragments in sort of pass him peace pipe speak and he you know his movements are all exaggerated he's like eating peanuts by like throwing them into his face and like you know then he feeds his dead bird that's on his head he's like not dead sleeping (laughs) <laughs> waiting for spirit to come back. Like, it's so racist. Like, yeah. you know, even if it was that he was fully Native American, this would be an incredibly racist portrayal. All right. Um, he has flaws. So he's not, like, a pure sort of, like, uh, you know, what a simple-minded but but beautiful individual. You know, he's dismissive. He's violent. He's vengeful horny uh you know he goes to a whorehouse and he's been there before yeah um uh, and and he's goofy more than anything right right but but this does not detract from his uh his noble savage nature because it's situating him as not bound by the laws of society which makes him a hero right it's this it's the same exact thing when when he was meeting with the Comanches, i was I, I I was ready for them to say, oh, he's not Comanche. He's just a white guy. He's just a crazy drunk white guy who wanted oh to camp God. dressed like that. That would have been so good. Why didn't the movie do that? They were afraid to, I think. I I bet that was in the script at one point. <laughs> <laughs> was, what? oh, him? Tonto? Yeah, no, he's Mexican. He's not, <laughs> he's not from here. Uh oh, 
I just that would have been good. Um, because he's not, he's not Native American in any meaningful sense, is he? No, no, he's, it's all the aesthetics and, Yeah, uh, he gives, he gives, like, wise aphorisms, that's all. He's the man of wisdom, but he's a crazy man of wisdom, so you can't decipher his strange ways. (laughs) Yeah. Come a time when good man must wear mask. (laughs) I do not fear what comes after death. Right. Like, you know, very much all this... I, I think you said Magical Negro earlier, and, like, I, yeah. I wrote I wrote a note in, in my research uh, for this, this episode <laughs> where, you know, I, I feel like this falls in line with that, like, again, with the Magical Negro, and also, you know, with sort of, like, strong, sexy female character tropes. Where, you know, it's right. they seem on the surface, like, as an idea, like, potentially positive attributes or positive representation. Um, and you can interpret them that way. But, like, ultimately, they really just end up as patronizing and dehumanizing to the subject of, uh, of, of the tropification. Right. You know? I mean, I think that people who, a lot of people now in who are sort of trying to create a world that's you know, less noble savagey, their idea is, oh, well, what you're saying is we haven't made the characters flawed enough, which is not the point. <laughs> no, it the, is The point isn't not. just that you can add a flaw to a character who's essentially fulfilling the same role as the noble savage and that undoes the, the, the harm that it causes because now your character isn't stereotypical. Now they have flaws, they're, you know you know they're subject to the same desires as 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 the white man but the 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 issue is that you're still viewing it through the lens of society versus uncivilized that's the noble savage trope that's the trap when you know when you have tv shows in like the 70s that are all about like native americans kicking the ass of like oil workers Uh you're you know you're using Native Americans to tell your story, the white person's story, of pollution is bad. Society right. is bad because capitalism leads to pollution. Mm-hmm. And that and was what, in, in the documentary that we watched, uh, Real Engine, which is all about Hollywood representations of Native Americans. Which is a documentary I've watched before, and watching it again, it just reminds me of, like, how good a documentary it is. Like, I that, oh, that would be... Yeah. That would be like my my one recommendation from this whole list for you to go home and and watch. Yeah, after it came this out in two thousand nine. It was directed by a, a Cree filmmaker named Neil Diamond, um, not to be confused with the musician. <laughs> different Neil um, Diamond. Different Neil Diamond, uh, and and it's great because they they go all around the country and they talk about all of these different tropes that are associated. I mean, we're just talking about a very limited you know, trope in in relation to that. Um, One of the things that he brought up that I thought was really interesting was, like, white people summer camps. Yes. You know, we're returning to nature, so it simply must be Native American-themed. Right. You know? Like... And and, and so everyone just dresses up as tribes, and they face paint, but it's like, you know, arts, you know, Michael's art store face paint. Um, Yeah. Like it's it's bright green, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it, it's this idea that 
you know, at these summer camps, you do native games and, you know, you right. prove your warrior spirit. And, like, again, there's, like, this spiritual nature to all of these things, but it's all been co-opted and commodified under white capitalist imperialist society. So, right. like, none of it's authentic. Like, none right. of this there's is... The, there's the famous 70s advertise, public service announcement. Oh, God, uh, yes. The people start pollution, people can stop at one, where the, mm-hmm. you know, the Native American cries. And that's been parodied to death. I mean, like, right. we, you know, we're not new in, like, saying that that's a flawed <laughs> representation. It was, you know, a, you know, an Italian guy just going, like, oh, me, me want them environment, me want them green. Right. Uh, like it's, it, of course it's offensive. Of course it's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it just speaks to exactly how we use native Americans to tell our own stories rather than letting them tell their, their, their stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, at least, from what I've seen recently in um, like the climate activist sort of communities, there's been a lot of focus recently on trying to lift up native voices. Um, right. Which is good because they, they, you know, they, they do have stake. It's not that like they're not allowed well, to oppose right. pollution because ironize Cody, the, the <laughs> Italian Cody, who was in an advertisement, was making it up. Like, yeah, Native Americans do care about pollution. They do care about the environment, you know, as a to to stereotype just a little bit, because, you know, there was the the Keystone Pipeline, Mm -hmm. uh, which was fucking amazing. These people were shot, killed, incarcerated. Uh, all to prevent a giant oil spill that they were absolutely right about that did. That has happened several times now. Right, but I'm not going to say that they did that just because they're Native American. They did no, it because no. they are climate activists. They care about the environment. Right, but, um, you know, I mean, again, I don't think it's just because they're necessarily Native American, but, like, with the the fires in the Amazon, like, some of the biggest right. protectors of the Amazon have been the the Native people who still live there, and that, you know, this isn't only a, an attack on the forest it's also an attack on them and you know climate change is going to and explicitly ultimately... so like bolsonaro has said yeah. explicitly that he wants to kill all of these indigenous right people. right um you know so it, it's not like this native american genocide is necessarily over um you know like no. there's still tons of of issues around native rights um especially in in the american west as well there's a recent law i, I want to say it's in nebraska um but I, I i could be wrong i forget exactly which state it was in but it basically forbid anyone um who doesn't have a physical mailing address to vote basically and all native americans on their reservations they only have p.o boxes they don't have physical mailing addresses and Mm. you know we're disenfranchising uh like thousands of people in in these places and so it's just this idea that like those are the stories that we could be talking about with with native americans and and letting those people speak and and tell these stories 
Um, but and instead, instead we're having we get Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp wearing red <laughs> face and then wearing white face on top of red face. Oh, God. And then wearing literally Chinese face on yeah. top of all of that. He's dressed up as like a Chinese it's mine so worker. It's so bad. It's, it's the first ever example of yellow over red, uh, yellow over white over red face. God, why don't people keep casting Johnny Depp in things? <laughs> Can we just be done with him? I mean, they've slowed down culture? at least. They're, he's certainly not as much as he used to be. Um, For sure, but he's still in like these giant blockbusters. Like he's a, the villain of the continuing Harry Potter franchise. Right, but you know these are franchises written by like dumb, stupid people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they don't they don't keep track of this stuff. Ugh. Um. Yeah. It's I, too much. I, I don't know. I think that this thing, this this trope is, like, super pervasive. Like, it appears in, yes. in kids' media, you know, as well. Like, there's a character in, like, the Transformers spinoff, Beast Machines, who's literally called Noble when he's a good guy and Savage when he's a bad guy. Oh, no. But he can that's... transform between Noble yeah. and Savage. So that's that's a subversion, right? No. Jesus. Oh my god. Wow. And like Futurama has like a whole narrative about native Martians oh, and casinos yeah. and it's like super uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is so, so you know, this trope doesn't just necessarily affect the like real life, well, right. the fictional <laughs> portrayal of real life uh, groups of people, but it also affects, uh, like, you know, there's there's alien planets where we sort of right. have this primitive Native American culture stand-in versus the science galactic force squad, whatever it is. Um, and, yeah. you know, you end up with a lot of the same issues where, oh, to truly understand and solve the problems of this planet, we must be at peace with the volcano and you know like just like all of this with the magic overly... tree yeah oh god from avatar. avatar i mean avatar um, is exactly this um we didn't watch it star for this trek's cause... a big part of this the yeah. the i mean sort of foundational to the prime directive is you don't interfere with primitive societies mm-hmm. which in some ways is good because it's anti-imperialist but you know you're still saying like these are primitive societies because they haven't invented a spaceship that can travel to Mars. Right. <laughs> it's just it's all quite like maybe wild. they just don't want to go to Mars. Right. Maybe they're fine here. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's it's it is what it is, man. Um but yeah, so so that's this trope, I think, in a nutshell, unless you've got anything else you you kind of um, want to add. Yeah, I think that's most of it. I think it's it's worth talking about Avatar The Last Airbender since we talk yeah. about it almost endlessly. <laughs> uh, I mean, here like it's very clear that they are in a civilization. Right. But there is some exoticizing of their lack of technology, etc., you know. The, the good guys fight with sticks. The bad guys fight with tanks. Right. Um, and well, and, you know, like, Aang, the avatar, the main character, comes from, like, a basically Tibetan monk 
type culture right where you another know, indigenous and traditionally colonized and genocided group of people <laughs> yes um where you know it's they're semi-nomadic and sure they have like temples but part of their their calling is traveling from temple to temple and seeing the world and right. you know living living possession free for the most part um well you remember we talked about the the northern air temple episode in our our i believe it's titled uh social justice benders <laughs> yes um, because this was their attempt to sort of talk about you know cultural appropriation and and uh you know the destruction of of historical culture by building you know a parking lot over paradise um right but and 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 it just was like this it was a little bit better done than this because it was more about them painting over somebody else's culture and eliminating their historical artifacts. Right. It, it, it positioned the air nomads as a society. Yes. They had yes. cultural exports and sure. Like anthropology itself might be a little bit, you know, racist sometimes, <laughs> but they were, ma- they were being very, you know, anthropological sort of respectful of Ang's world without saying like, it's bad that you put a, you know, put a bathhouse in here simply right. because it's a bathhouse. It's no, it's bad because they're putting up a bathhouse and destroying a like beautiful a holy site. mosaic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit better, but it's still like white people writing these noble, religious, spiritual, and also magic. They can talk to ghosts. <laughs> right. You know. I mean, like, you could talk about that with with all of Avatar. You know, it was written by two white dudes. And, like, sure, there's definitely an attempt, I think, to to put in the research and put in some effort to to the world building. um, But it's not perfect. Right. And just the fact that, you know, 70 years post, uh, you know, post uh, primitivism, they're immediately riding cars around New York City. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that's that, a very noble, savage kind of that thing. This was like, the natural society just naturally moves in. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's that's a really important point is that this idea that capitalist, imperialist, like white society and the trappings of that are the natural flow of how history would progress is Right. <clears throat> like, like that's where we get into the trouble and the dichotomy between the noble savage and right. the rest of And it's like, maybe it even would, like, there's just no way of knowing because imperialism is a nat, like, is a, a, a baked in part of all of our histories. Right. No, it's inescapable. There's no avoiding that right now. And, you know, that's why we have Pocahontas because mm-hmm. we need our dominant, narrative of society came to the uh to the new world to be reinforced not two societies were pitted against each other because one wanted to dominate and and control the other right which is what happened that's exactly what happened um yeah so hopefully (laughs) we can start to to be a little bit more uh, conscious of the kinds of 
stories that we put native characters in or that we use native characters as um, really just set dressing in, you know, like Westworld literally just uses their native characters as, as savage set dressing. Like they're, yeah. I mean, that might even be more critical than I'm giving it credit for. I haven't really watched the show that closely, but the whole point is that it's kind of, you know, making fun of the tropes of Westerns, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, like it, it, but it tries to subvert them and do things with them, but it, it's just a big blind spot of the show that um, I think it deserves to be called out for a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Good point. They are they are not people, but they are based. <laughs> but on people. that's the whole point of the show is that well, they're basically people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not Native Americans. They're robots. They are. They're robots who are... Like, they're human, but they're not Native American. Sure. Though they are, again, look and... Yeah, they... they... If they wandered out into the real world, they would be classified as Native American, most likely. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. Have a happy Thanksgiving, guys. Have does a happy this, does Thanksgiving... Does this help you? I hope you don't have more fights with your conservative relatives over turkey and I hope uh, you do. I hope you shove that turkey bone right down their throat. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe that's what we all just need is to yell at each other a little bit more. Yeah. Just like <laughs> okay boomer is your friend. Uh, that's, yeah. that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Just keep that okay boomer in your back pocket, use it when you need it. And you'll be fine. It'll be great. Uh, Good luck, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.